0: Hello and welcome to the strength to be human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright. And today we're going on to episode number 192, Nostalgia as a Poor Substitute for Memory. Now I know it probably sounds like an unusual (laughs) title or even subject, but I've noticed over the years, and I guess I've just been waiting for a a moment to really comment on it that many times folks when they write something it could be a play or you know an essay or a fiction piece or a poem they they seem to to really rely on 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 nostalgia and it really is a poor substitute for memory because it often tends to be very very hazy uh very almost disney-like and, and, and it becomes a little irritating on this side as an editor because you're like Really, is this what we're going to write about here? Uh, you know, um, our hometown from eighty-five years ago. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, especially since. And I'm not trying to be cruel here, but you know, if you're submitting a work to me about your, your you know, your childhood or your hometown or something, you know, um, maybe you could still be living in it. Because uh, if it's so wonderful, why is it later on uh, you you're moved and you never gone back? So, I always find that unusual. You always notice that where they're sending it from isn't, isn't the same place that they're talking about, how great it was. So, I mean, I'm sure you can hear all the convenient excuses about the factory died and the farm went belly up and locusts attacked our, uh, you know, our community or, you know, the water well went dry. I mean, we can hear it all, but in the end, to me, it doesn't really ring true. You know, and they, they say, and, and I don't take it all that seriously all the time. I mean, there's obviously some real cases of it, but, you know, the saying about, you know, history is written by the winners, you know, it's pretty cynical because it's not always the case. Just like I don't believe that nostalgia is written by people who are always fabricating, but unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of it is, and, and it, it, you, ha- you have to be concerned about that because, quite frankly, when something is fiction, okay, let it be fiction then, but... Many of times, these folks are presenting this thing like it's real, like it's true. And then you have to wonder about what perceptions they have and where they're going with something like that. To me, it's never a good thing to be inauthentic or, or just to purposely, you know, make something up. I mean, I'm not talking about fiction in general because, you know, you're writing a story about a monster from outer space or somebody, uh, you know, has a, has a the curse from the devil on them. Yeah, of course you're making something like that up. You're supposed to. But I'm talking about things that supposedly looking real, but they're not really real because the folks have a, a, a kind of a self delusion, and that, that's really where nostalgia, you know, becomes when people when they abuse it, or, or when they take it too far. It, they're actually indulging in some kind of of self delusion, and I, I don't always find it very helpful. And I also, for the many parts, I, I want people to really look at trying to find something more authentic or real about themselves, something that they're taking, some kind of voyage they're on, some kind of trip that they're on, because really some of the best writing is really what comes from that. I mean, look at the, the dictionary definition of nostalgia, okay? A sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past, typically for a period or place with happy personal associations. So even in the definition, it's already alluding to the fact that you know this is something of a sentimental nature and you know when things tend to be sentimental they're not always arranged in in a, a truthful uh, fashion i mean you know meaning that you know sometimes they're you know the rough edges are sanded out or sometimes some facts are exchanged for other things and <laughs> this is the reason why uh, more and more people are going to these genealogies, uh, the, the DNA testing. You know, people been told their whole life they're Irish, and then you know, they um, they, they take this test, and then and apparently they're you know they're from England, which, as you know, to this day, you know, both of them don't exactly get along for colonistic and other reasons, you know. And you, you you see this all the time, you know, and and, and why is that? Well, obviously because some people, they change things, sometimes for nostalgia, sometimes for other reasons. But when people change things, it changes the whole makeup of somebody. I mean, just imagine, and again, I'm not mocking anybody here, but just imagine growing up to to 45 years old with a couple of kids and a wife, and then you find out that your your whole cultural identity is not what you've been told. I mean, what the hell does that do to somebody? who's been going around having uh uh, the time of their life of saint patrick's day and singing irish songs even learning some gaelic and then they find out that you know there's not one bit of irish blood in them it's incredible and this is part uh, i feel of you know some of the damage that that can be done by by nostalgia now Many people who engage in this nostalgia, then they're actively looking to to plot some evil thing against you or themselves or to put some big lie out there because it's so much fun. Most people are not doing that. Most of this is that sentimental hazing of things. It's what I really call people trying to put their mind at ease about things that maybe they're not the most comfortable about. Well, guess what, folks? That's a bad sign. On on how you should think about things, and it certainly is a a, a bad uh, portent for what you want to do with writing, because writing really needs to have a strong foundation of of honesty. It it needs to have some integrity there. It definitely needs to have at least some of the facts in place, you know, because without that, you're really putting something out there that doesn't really hold the weight. Most of the times, you're not even sure about it. To me, it's hard to sell things if you don't believe in them. And I, I always find for writing, when I read it, I can, I can sense when I can believe in something and, and when I can't. I can even tell when I know the story doesn't seem authentic, but the writing is good enough to where I, I can see the work they're trying to do. I can see the craft, you know, even if I don't, if I don't always see all the substance. But I want people to steer away from nostalgia as much as they possibly can because in many ways it, it, it becomes a, a superficial effort. And we got way too much of that superficial stuff in society right now to, to have it go any, any further to where, I mean, that's all we're doing over here is, you know, we're talking about fashion and music and movies or the, you know, the endless talk about COVID, COVID this, COVID that. You know, I'm so beyond that; it's it's not even funny. You know, not not to the sense that we shouldn't be safe or anything, but you know, it, it's gotten out of hands to where sometimes we can't even tell what's what's true and what's not, and what, what's what's a fact and what's not. That that's how amazing this is becoming. But um, we want to try to steer away from that because remember what we're doing out there by writing, by reaching out to people, by making a connection, by getting stuff published you know individual pieces books plays, songs whatever it is we're putting something out there in the world and and god knows we don't want to have to be putting out something in the world that competes against all this other stuff most of it's junk you know i mean i i could probably put you know uh, 10 years of reality programming and boil it down to maybe two episodes of something i mean that's how much crap it is So why would we want to add to that kind of junk? We need to make sure that, as writers, writing something that becomes art, it sets us apart from that. I mean, so somebody could say, hey, you know, maybe only uh, 300 people read your poem, but 10,000 people checked out my short film. Yeah, but your short film is a variation on a variation of a theme of a variation of something else, and you know, uh, I'm bored to tears and uh, so I'm not sure what you're so impressed about. My poem says more. My poem does more. Don't matter if I have a smaller audience or not. That's where we need to rest on. That's where the arts need to continue to go. We can't go on copying what's commonly done in culture. Not only of course is that unoriginal. It's uninspiring. I mean, these folks, they, they barely have any kind of inspiration these days coming out of music or Hollywood, you know? Have I mean, you listened to half these songs? It's the same junk we've heard 60 years ago, only more filthy. I mean, I understand that, you know, you're going gonna to remove the passion. I understand that, you know, the girl is, whoa, we got to write about her. Okay, that's fine. I'm a man. I understand all that. You don't have to be filthy. There's plenty of songs you can talk about a woman without being dirty. And still get your point across, you know. There's also plenty of movies you could do this where people actually have clothes on and talk about something in in sentences that that sound like they're they're constructive or at least semi intelligent. We don't have a lot of that either. It's a, this sequel of that, and this robot, and this alien, and this. and Come on. And and then they wonder why the, you know the theaters are are dying. They've been dying for quite some time, so don't blame this COVID. It's a lot of money to go into a theater and, and just watch some same crap you, you've already seen on on, on on a bad, you know, a Showtime or, or cable show for for pennies uh, on the dollar. And now we're supposed to go over there and spend $50 on what? There's not a lot of stuff worth $50 anymore. But that's really what you're putting your work out towards. It literally competes with those things because those things take people's attention, you know? There's not lots of people that are going to openly say, hey, I want to read this short story before I go out to that concert. would be nice, but not a lot of people think that way. But if they were ever to think that way, or if they just secretly think that way, just don't want to tell anybody, it's our job to be set apart. It's our job to be creative. It's our job to be original, to stir things in people that they're not going to get from all this common media and all this stupid Hollywood stuff and all these, these songs that have just become filthy. I mean, every other word is the N word or the B word or, you know, or, or or they're, they're nonsensically political. don't even make any sense. And then you find later on in the interview that the, the artists never even voted in their life. But they're gonna give me political advice. Somebody has been the war. Somebody that's been the jury. Someone has actually voted every single election since they were an adult. Really? You're gonna give me advice? Okay. Come over here so I can smack you right in the head. It's ridiculous. But some of these same people they want to give us artistic advice and cultural advice. All kinds of wonderful advice. Please don't listen to them. You're better off listening to other writers, at least a little closer to to the marker of something they're trying to do. But that's what I want us to do as writers. Is to stop having poor substitutes for memory. Remember, that's what you have to do with memory. That means maybe looking at old photographs to, to stir something in you. Maybe old notes, or old diaries, or old journals or something. Yeah, sometimes it can be painful. It's not easy being a writer. It's not easy putting something out there that might make a connection. And all kinds of things could happen to people. Don't get me wrong. Lots of times, nostalgia for people and that hazy memory I was talking about and and all that semi-fabrication that can happen, a lot of times that's just a defense mechanism from people, you know, who don't want to remember that they actually had a crappy childhood or they didn't have parents that really were very attentive or they didn't have friends because, you know, they uh, had a weird appearance or maybe they they had a, a... uh, a strange way of talking or walking or uh, maybe just a different background from other people in the general area all the normal dumb prejudices that are out there that affect people I got, I got all of that I'm not um, sympathetic to that I'm certainly not insensitive to that but it doesn't justify making up you know stories that, that, that don't have any real reality to them because I can tell there's not so many people that are such good writers that I can't tell that yeah they just made that crap up Let's not do that. We don't want to get to the point where we start sounding and, and looking like, like Hollywood, because that's when we have real problems. <laughs> that's when we start losing what could be art, and it just, it's just the same old junk as you know other stuff over here, you know, songs about the the nether regions of a woman. Yeah, this is a great topic to, to have a song about for us to sing about and snap our fingers. Are you nuts? It makes no sense at all. But there really isn't anything, for the most part, taking me off of a, a subject for you to write about. It's just, a, it's just important to be able to, to do it in, in some kind of maybe provocative manner. I don't have a problem with that. But something that still has taste to it, has art to it, has some real intelligence to it, maybe you have a, a, a point that you're trying to make as well. Because you could tell from a lot of the junk that they come out here these days, The only point is is to put out something out there so they can make a buck so they can say they did something for their career or establish something uh, because uh, they can't live on what they did three years ago they gotta do something new even though i don't see how new it is when it's just the same the same junk this is the reason why it's so important for us to make sure that we are living the kind of life we need to live in order to be the writer that we want to be. You you can't you can't be the writer you want to be, you know, if you're denying parts of yourself, and that could be anything from your sexuality down to your childhood, down to this the memories that you know you've been telling yourself, or you've been telling your friends and relatives, or hell, you've been telling the the readers of your work, and it's not really true at all. This is what I'm concerned about nostalgia, because I really think in many ways it becomes like a series of false memories. And people build off of that. And and that's that to me it's difficult to unravel that unless you start actually trying to you know to confront your own self about that. It's what writing can do. Writing can be in many instances a form of self therapy in order for you to be able to do that, to make your own confession to yourself. Find the things out that are important to you and write about those things, even if they can be difficult. I mean, there's nothing wrong about putting together a short story or even a play where the characters, uh, two, three, four, five, six of them, act out different parts of things that you feel or are concerned about or maybe different characters that, that have given you problems in the past and work it out through that. That's still real and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but, uh, you know, go around... Um, yeah, everything was fine and um, normal Normal childhood and... Um, okay, let's talk about you. Not really helpful. They say that oppression of writers can hurt people, but I found out that it might hurt them physically, but they still become the writers they're supposed to be. It, it's the internal stuff that we suppress that's much more dangerous to a writer. And, and I'm suggesting that... You know, if you live in a police state and people are trying to hunt you down because you wrote something about freedom, that that's less troubling than, you know, you suppressing bad stuff from the past. I'm just saying that in a practical manner, those writers are still writers. They know who they are and what they're trying to do. I mean, yeah, people are hunting and trying to kill them, but they know. In your particular case, when you suppress stuff, hell, what are you supposed to tell me about life when you're already suppressing parts of your own self? Hmm? How am I supposed to get truth from you when... You're not even sure about it half the times. How do you express reality about anything when in many ways you're living in in another world? These are are not only, I, I find, important things to say about where we come from as writers, but they're also completely constructive things to say to help people get out of that kind of funk, which can sometimes be wrapped up in, in a form of, of depression. I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of people I've come across that are really deeply involved in, in nostalgic type things tend to be people who can be pretty depressed about stuff. You know, I, I really think even though it might be very human, oh, I wish things were like it was 50 years ago. I mean, that sounds all wonderful, uh, but you got people who wallow on that i mean if you're going to express something like that it should be a moment and then you we go on to what's happening today because the more you express that the more you wallow in that the more you're, re- you're you're hiding from the reality of today the more you just don't want to deal with all the stuff that's going on today and lots of people do this you you, you think that it, people escape from reality with some of the basic stuff that we all know about in a stereotypical fashion like they drink a lot they take drugs a lot and you know that sort of thing but no they use food as a way to to hide, to hide from things no there's plenty of people that, that 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 hide from that way just by not wanting to live the life that they have now not, not want to live the reality they're in right now you know I, I talk to writers all the time they they all sound like they're from the 1950s what i gotta mark my on stuff why i got to talk about my work what most of these people pretending to publish are actually vanished publishers trying to steal my money yeah if it sounds to be good to drew folks it normally is but why are they like that well it's not just because they're impatient about being published it's also because they want to get a story out about something that's not even true anyway and the rush to do that like that it damages a person's psyche. It doesn't help them ever get out of the depression, and therefore, it doesn't let them confront the things that are necessary for them to be the best writers that they can. I am convinced that the best writer you can be is the more you confront yourself and the things that are out there. I don't know how you live today if you're still stuck in yesterday. I know there's probably people that do that, but who would want to be around something like that? I mean, to me, it's not very interesting. You know, it's like being around somebody who's a per- per- perpetual grandfather. All they want to do is talk about 1938. I, I don't mean disrespect to anybody that that's lived around in 1938, but, you know, there's only so much stuff I can hear about that before I kind of got the gist of it all. Okay? Depression and poverty and food lines and FDR. And I can get a lot of that stuff from history. I get that lot of stuff from Google, quite frankly. I can get a lot of that stuff from. Documentaries and stuff I mean even though you live through that there's only so much you're going to really be able to add to the knowledge that we have and what comparisons can you make is it a great way I think to compare some of the travel uh, the travails the you've had and some of the tribulations you've had from 1938 and then look at today and go wow people really are eating people really are working well they're really really doing a lot for themselves this that and whatever so this way you can have some gratitude of what you went through it's one of the real problems with not confronting things in your life in the past and hiding behind the devices of nostalgia is you never get a chance to, to, to really have a sense of gratitude about maybe today your life is better. I always find it incredibly ironic and incredibly tragic that you'll talk to people who actually have good lives now with people who love them, children that, that, that adore them, great jobs, and they're still depressed because you know they're still running over the, the scenarios that happened to them when they were 14 years old. This is what I mean about confronting that because whenever you don't, you're robbing yourself of happiness, You're robbing yourself of clarity of thought. You're robbing yourself of authenticity of person. You're robbing a lot of your identity. And quite frankly, you're giving power to people that are not even around anymore. The bully that did this to you is not around anymore. They're probably on drugs or dead. If you had ten in inattentive crappy parents, they're probably gone too. Why give these people that are even not around anymore continued power over your life? It this? makes no sense it makes no emotional mathematical sense it makes no psychological mathematical sense it certainly doesn't make any moral sense because what you're doing whether you realize it or not whether you care or not is you just making yourself out to be a perpetual victim in case you haven't noticed in the year 2021 we already got too many of those people you know, my my my, my grandfather uh, w- was brought here by force three hundred thousand years ago, and, and and I'm really I'm really upset about that. But uh, thank you for helping me to pay for for Harvard. And now I'm now I'm a lawyer, but I'm still upset about my grandfather three hundred years ago. A lot of it doesn't make any sense anymore. Don't understand the, the victimization because. It's not a way to live real. (laughs) It's not a way really to have any kind of respect from people respecting you or even having your own self-respect. And and quite frankly, it's not even an honest way to actually communicate anything. How can you talk about a society you claim doesn't like you and all you're doing is making sure that they'll never understand you? But people do this on an emotional and a psychological way on a regular basis. They continue to live a life of victimhood. Sometimes they do it secretly, and they don't talk to anybody about that. And that's really what the depression's about. And other times, you know, it's just a it's just a big emotional, uh, you know, circus that they don't know how to detach from anymore. It, it's like their entire life has to be about, you know, well, uh, with me, because if they if they don't if they don't go about that that fashion. Uh, Somehow they, they don't feel content anymore. You know? Like the person that can't stop complaining about everything no matter what. Who wants to be around someone like that? How do you get anything out of those sort of people? It's amazing. So let us start realizing that when we put parts of our lives that we don't like... Out of focus and I don't mean just out of focus of the public because you still have to have privacy I'm not suggesting to anyone over here that they need to sit on some corner soapbox and say yeah My daddy uh, hit me a lot and my mother was okay with it and uh, They uh, always said verbally bad things to me and never supported me on anything. I'm not suggesting you do this. Okay. I'm saying that There isn't a sin to keep those things from the public There is a sin when you're keeping them from yourself. When you're, or worse, pretending that those things didn't happen. That's really when you start going into another place that you shouldn't go to. Because it's very hard to get out of that dark room when all you do is you keep blowing out the damn candle. And what is that candle? That candle is that small little light that's going to give you an idea how to get out of there. All right, through self-examination, uh, through self-therapy, uh, certainly through some form of self-confession, you can, you can use these methods in writing by just writing this stuff down. Put it in a journal or something. And maybe you can get some useful parts of it for some of the parts of your writing. At least you're starting to get parts of the truth out there. It's a good way to start unraveling yourself. I'm not suggesting this happens overnight or in, in even a couple of months. But what I am saying directly to you is the sooner, the better. You will feel better as a human being. You'll feel more creative as a writer. You won't feel that you always have to, you know, make up something in order to get something done. And you're going to be a happier person from that. I mean, we have a show that's coming up actually Why Negative Moods Spark Creativity. And why is that? Well, my theory. And we're going to do a whole show on it. But my theory is, is that um, sometimes people find that negative things help them focus more versus something happy-go-lucky. Uh, happy, go, uh, happy go lucky. You don't see too many people that just get married. And, you know, I can't write to write a poem about that whole experience. Uh, no. They usually shut it in some room someplace ordering, uh, you know, some champagne. And uh, there's no poetry going on there, or no writing, okay? And that's fine. But why is that? Why are all the happier things people just sort of like get lazy about, but only the bad things? You know, it's like uh, the letters to the newspaper, you know, if there's too many in your area anymore. If, if you recall for, I don't know, the last 85 years or something, you could read those stuff and microfiche and, and the library and everything. You don't see a lot of positive letters. You, it's always, uh, the mayor sucks. Or, why aren't they going to fix this pothole on 4th Street? Or, why are the politicians all stealing my money? You know, why are weirdo people moving into my neighborhood and trying to sell me tacos? Stuff like that. It's mostly complaints. It's mostly negative. Why does the negative inspire people? It's the reason why this nostalgia has really become a device for people. Because it's a way for them to like detach themselves from the negativity believing incredibly enough believing that if they detach themselves from that lock into the room someplace it's now gone and they can go pretend to be somebody else but that's the whole point right there folks when you do something like that it's not like you're suddenly happy you're not you're still miserable you still know what you've done you still have guilt about it and you're pretending so I mean just the act of pretending or to let you know that you haven't solved anything Yet you, you, you haven't Yeah, you know, it, it's like being out, you know uh, Climbing out in the forest, you know some some hiking trail and you cut open your leg really good. I Mean you could do all you can to wrap it and you could do all you can to try to wash it with some water But in the end You know if you don't get some antibiotics in there If you don't get things that are gonna really disinfect or that you're gonna have one hell of an infection I mean you could cause serious damage to yourself. So whatever you're doing is quite superficial it, it, it certainly is not going to really help anything because it's just treating the basic symptoms it doesn't really take care of the core problem you know in, the, in this case the core problem is a deep gash in your leg where blood's coming out and you're looking at it going is that white a bone or is that just something else no that's your friggin' bone okay not a good sign this harms people when they do this and anytime somebody does this, they start distorting their literally their soul because that's really our ultimate being as people that spiritual essence and who we are and i honestly think that when people start living these kind of falsehoods talking nonsense and burying stuff and not confronting it living in denial they start soiling their own soul. They, they start damaging it. It's almost like they send a bad signal out there. It's not, an, it's not really uncommon that you find people like this, they're constantly in some kind of drama. Something's always negative happening to them or whatever. Some of it could be just exaggeration and making up. Some of it could be they're just attracting bad things to them. Almost like in a karmic kind of fashion because it, they're a magnet for the for, for, for malice in the universe. They've made themselves that way without realizing what the hell is going on. Well, what's going on is that you just made yourself a giant beacon for every weird and, and strange thing in the universe to, to follow you because you're calling out to it. Uh, why don't you try to call out for something else? And that, that's what writers can do, and that's what writing can do. And by doing this and talking about this authentically, You'll start freeing yourself and when you start freeing yourself, you're going to be able to start incorporating some of the troops and some of the wisdom that you determine that can be useful. You can start putting this in your writing. People are going to make that connection. People are going to say, yeah, I need to start doing that too. Yeah, this is, oh yeah, that's right. They're going to, it's going to catch to people who many, many, many instances are like you. So believe it or not. With writing uh, as your tool, and maybe even writing as your medicine to a certain extent, uh, you might just save yourself. You might be saving others as well. Writing does that with people all the time. You now, I, I wish somebody would say, you know, writing saved my life. Because I know that it, it does to a lot of people. People probably just think it's a weird thing to say. I mean, they'll say, disco saved my life, or the singer saved my life, or this movie really saved my life. You know, sometimes writing can save your life too, your life and other people's lives. And why is that? Because when it's put together in a correct and honest fashion, you know, it becomes a real a real lightning rod in a day and age where all people want to do is live something else other than what's what's real. It's almost like it's not in fashion anymore to just be yourself you got to be somebody else you can't God forbid you can't say something that is out of the norm of this extreme or that extreme when guess what lots of the answers to many of our problems whether they be personal, psychological or even in society they tend to be in in the middle not all of them don't get me wrong but a lot of them are. And when you have people that are on these extreme sides of things, well, nothing's really ever going to get done for the most part because they can't even meet in the middle to figure out how they can make some kind of healthy compromise. So I can see how a lot of society drives people to be in these extremes. But you're not going to get any measure of happiness if you don't start learning to free yourself. Okay? Please keep that in mind. Don't waste your time admiring the actor or the singer or this famous person because you're going to find out later on they're even more miserable than you are. They just happen to have millions of more dollars so they can hide a little bit better. They can go on cooler vacations, wear nicer clothes. But it doesn't matter whether you have a $2 suit on, your birthday suit, or a million dollar suit. If you're a miserable friggin' wreck, well, that's that's who you are, no matter what you're wearing, no matter what you're starring, no matter how famous or, or popular you are. Then next thing you know, you hear it on some some newsline one day. They hung themselves. Well, What the hell? I was just watching this show the other day. He seemed so happy. Yeah. Hmm. He's been uh, practicing that smile and that bullcrap for about twenty-five years until he finally hung himself... That's why these things happen, folks. Because those folks. Have not done anything to confront their inner demons, their past issues. They live in a falsehood, live in a dream. Now they're going into acting and all kinds of other stuff, which allows them to continue to live that way. You know, to a point of of where, you know, either drugs help them push them over, or in many cases, I don't know if you noticed, some of these people committing suicide, they don't even have any drugs in the system. So apparently, that didn't have anything to do with anything. They're not even alcoholics, but they're still doing this. Often at the height, the very height, of their careers. So how do you get to my people that are in denial and miserable? They haven't done what's necessary, and in the end, it hurt themselves and their families and their and their art. Don't be one of those people. Okay. Free yourself. Use writing. Use confession, talk to other people if you have to. If you need to see somebody professional, there's nothing wrong with that either. Because anything that's going to help you become a better person, a happier person, a more free person, it's just going to make you that much of a greater artist, rather than having to be miserable thinking that that's a good thing, because it's not a good thing. It's an unhealthy thing. And we'll talk about that in other shows ahead where there's a, this whole sexy thing about, you know, if you're poor and miserable and hateful and stuff, you're going to become some, some great artist or something. Well, it doesn't work that way. Some people have just the natural genius of this. So whatever they're going through is separate from that, okay? Because I guarantee you, if you go to some girl and get spurned, all right, and, and then get really mad and cut your ear off, you're not going to be painting like Van Gogh, okay? It doesn't work that way. So you don't want to be rushing to, to do these kind of things like it's some kind of formula because it's not. There are separate issues. All right, folks, that is it. Episode 192, Nostalgia is a Poor Substitute for Memory. Hopefully that helps some people to unravel some of the things they're dealing with and, and bring them closer to being better writers, better human beings, healthier people in a society or in a world that, that could use more of that. All right, folks, until next time, God bless. Well, forget we got some other wonderful shows coming up in April over here. I'll give you a little um, uh, preview. Next, we have uh, Making a Living as a Writer in the 21st Century. That's going to be a gas. All right, and then we have Why Negative Moves Spark Creativity. That's definitely going to be interesting. Got a show about it's called It's About the Words. So it's going to be interesting about just talking about words and Freeing ourselves from all this other stuff we think is important in writing, but it's just about the words. Uh, we're going to do a new uh, a new segment show called Open House Literary Questions. So I've invited a number of people from the internet who ask me questions about writing and stuff that has nothing to do with, with shows. So this way, not they don't have to wait to listen to a show to answer questions? They can just answer questions, and and, and I'll do whatever i my can to, to answer those those questions. All right. Then at uh, we got uh, at the end here. Um, fighting the superficial and finding the truth it's sort of like a sequel or a seg- you know to this particular show but it's towards the end of the month there's another show that's going to be coming out on the 28th of april but believe it or not uh, i haven't figured out what i'm going to do yet i don't know if i'm going to do a classic spotlight on a writer or maybe just do another one of these standalone shows so i'll let you know in the in the next couple weeks until then folks god bless and good night Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.